Welcome to the Homeschool with Moxie podcast, where our goal is to inspire and encourage you with actionable strategies to take you from overwhelmed to confident in your homeschool adventure. I'm your host, Abby Banks, and this is episode 179. This episode is brought to you by Gentle and Classical Press. Do you use a nature curriculum in your homeschool? You will love Gentle and Classical Nature. It's beyond gorgeous, but it's a valuable resource because it's inspired by Charlotte Mason, and it really makes it possible for you to do nature study with your kids without feeling overwhelmed. Gentle and Classical Nature Volume 1, Inland Waterways and Forests, will help you understand Charlotte Mason's methods as you teach your K-3 for kids. And it also gives you a lot of encouragement as you maybe begin nature studies for the first time. Check it out today. And by the way, the teacher's guide is 100% free. And also right now, I don't know about it when you check it out, but right now as I'm recording this, their nature collection notebook, which is normally $9.99 is completely free. So download that and get a look and see what Gentle and Classical Press is all about. You can find them at 41more.com forward slash gentle classical. Welcome to episode 179. You can find the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 179. Today, I wanted to chat about what's the big deal about narration. So maybe you've been around the homeschool world a little bit and you've heard the word narration. Maybe you even use it in your homeschool, or maybe this is a brand new word for you and you have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, I wanted to give you the big ideas from a book I've been reading called Know and Tell, The Art of Narration, and it's written by Karen Glass. And I will put links to her book and everything else I mentioned in the show notes. But narration is one of these things that, you know, I didn't even learn about till I was as a homeschool mom. It's not something I learned about when I went to, you know, university to get my education degree and my, you know, teaching certification. It's not something that's used in classrooms, but it is a valuable teaching assessment, um, just tool to use with your kids. And it's one of the really great ways to not only grow really high level thinkers, really good writers, it's a great relationship building exercise. And it also makes homeschooling simple. It actually helps you be able to homeschool using living books or homeschool multiple ages together, throw away the low level worksheets, get rid of all the busy work, and still know that your kids are getting a really high level customized education. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about narration today, maybe bring some things to your mind that you really hadn't thought of before, even if you're already using narration, this will still, I hope, be a encouraging and helpful episode for you. So there are several things that you can grab in the show notes that are going to help you. So First of all, if you're coming at this topic and you have no idea who Charlotte Mason is, you have no idea what narration is, and you're kind of starting out and you're kind of like, I have no idea what the different homeschooling styles are, then I want you to go to the show notes where I will put a link for you to grab our free essential guide to homeschooling styles, styles and methods. So I want you to grab that. It'll give you different curriculums for e- that fit each style. It'll talk about the benefits, the pros and cons of each way of homeschooling. And listen, you don't have to come down straight and flat and strong and say, okay, we are definitely going to be this one style of homeschooling. I mean, 
you can mix and match. In fact, that's what I would say I am. I'm an eclectic homeschooler, and I did an episode recently about that as well. But narration is one of those tools in your toolbox that I think can be used with almost any homeschooling style. So I think it's really important. I think it's an awesome tool to learn about, especially if you really have no idea what I'm talking about. So grab that essential guide to different homeschool methods. But I also have a narration cheat sheet for you in the show notes. So if this is new, or if you want a one page, you know, Cliff Notes version of everything, head over there as well. So like I said, I'm giving you kind of like the big picture overview, and I'm going to just talk from the first two chapters of this book by Karen Glass, but definitely grab her book if you want to learn more. I consider this a professional development book as a homeschool mom, and I wish I would have had it years ago. It would have been really helpful, but it's it's a wonderful, it really encourages me as I'm reading it, and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is such a good tool. And I'm glad I used it with my kids throughout the years, but I'm learning more even now by reading this book. So let's just talk about what narration is. This is a great way to give you a little bit of a definition. And she really just says her first chapter, in fact, is titled The Art of Narration. And then her first section is called Narration is Telling. And so We can make it into a really complicated thing, but it doesn't need to be. And I'll quote a bit from her book at different different points in this episode, but here's what she says on page four. Narration becomes more than simply telling and becomes essentially oral composition. So narration allows this practice to begin with the form that's most easy and natural for us, oral telling or oral composition. When we wake up narration as an educational tool, we do not have to begin by teaching children something they do not already know. We simply invite them to develop and refine their natural ability. So kids love talking about what they know, don't they? If you say, hey, how was our trip to the beach? What were your favorite parts? What did you see? I mean, they could go on and on, right? That's essentially narration. And so when you're struggling with, okay, my third grader has no idea what to write. I want them to write, you know, a book report, or I want them to write about history or science, and they don't know what to write. Well, it's probably because you haven't helped them be able to orally, you know, bring to mind what they're thinking about or thoughts or summarizing what they read. And so you're immediately going to paper and that kind of puts a lot of kids like a deer in the headlights kind of look, and it's really hard for them to to write. And so you have to awaken their brain first. You have to get them thinking first. And when kids can orally narrate, they're like, it makes sense that they're going to become better writers eventually. And she does say this on page four. I'll read again. She says, in due time, we encourage them to write their narrations. They begin by learning to write the same thing they would have said in an oral narration. And when that becomes natural, we teach them to take what they have written and shape it into familiar forms of writing, such as essays. And so this is really all about what it is. So everyone can narrate. Everyone can tell what they learned or tell what they were thinking or see, talk about um, comparison, contrast, talk about this reminds me of this in history or this leads to this in history or science, right? And so she says, through the use of narration, children can become thinkers and writers. And so if you haven't thought about that benefit of narration, if you just thought, well, it's just something to fill the time. It really is so much more important than a lot of the low-level workbooks that you will get 
from a lot of curriculum publishers. And here, like, here is my soapbox a little bit. I, I personally can't stand just the busy work kind of stuff that a lot that passes for a lot of schooling. Um, you know, like crossword puzzles to learn spelling words and whatever. I'm like, uh, okay, maybe, I don't know. And there's so many low level worksheets where it's just filling in, filling in, filling in, but how much high level thinking is going on? And so this is what narration does. It allows your kids to become really good thinkers. And that's more important than having a pile of worksheets to show at the end of the year. I think you remember what worksheets were like when you were in school, they were so low level, most of them. Um, they just, it just filled the time and classroom teachers use it because it does fill the time, but it's not really a great way to grow your children's thinking skills. So if you're still a little fuzzy about, okay, I'm kind of getting what you're saying, but I still am not quite sure what narration looks like in a homeschool. Let me just begin chapter two on page 13. Here's what Karen Glass says. She says, the practice of narration is quite simple. You read a young child a page from a book and then ask her to tell you back what she has heard. An older child reads a chapter and you ask her to relate the chapter back to you or to write out her narration of it. Most of the time, this is what narration looks like on a day-to-day basis when it's used in education. It requires no formal instruction, no special equipment, no particular means of evaluation. As part of a daily regimen, we simply say, tell me about it. Tell me about life in ancient Egypt. Tell me about the water cycle. Tell me what Tom Sawyer did next. Or tell me about the African savanna. I find that a really helpful overview or summary about what narration would look like in your day-to-day homeschooling. I hope that gives you a better picture. But let's jump back into the topic of growing thinkers. But let me bring this up from the book. Here's what she says about high-level thinking skills and narration. On page 14, she says, the consistent use of narration builds mental habits of thinking that operate beyond the classroom and lesson time. Paying attention, ordering knowledge, and then articulating it, these are high-level thinking skills, and students who use narration regularly will be able to apply those skills wherever they are needed. Isn't that true? Anyone can fill out and guess and do a little fill-in-the-blank worksheet or whatever, But when you have to order knowledge in your brain and remember and pay attention to what you were reading and then articulate it, that is huge. It's this whole synthesis, putting ideas together and forming opinions. These are really helpful. And this is what we want to do to grow our kids. She also says on page 16, when students are given the opportunity to write or speak in their own words about what they've learned, their minds are engaged and working at a level that far exceeds the mental requirements of merely filling in the blank, right? I mean, filling in the blank doesn't require work at all. And so this is one of the best things about narration. You are really growing thinkers. So I love this question. As I was reading her book and I read this next part on page 18, I thought, okay, what? it actually answers the question, why does narration work? So I'm telling you, hey, it really works. It really does a good job. But you might be thinking, well, why? Why does it work? And she says in her book on page 18, narration engages the whole mind. Let me see if I can find the section I wanted to read to you. 
She says on page 18, one characteristic of narration, which we noted in the previous chapter, is that it is not possible to narrate something unless you know it. In fact, the root of the word narrative is related to the Latin word for to know. What we know, we can narrate. Those of us who mastered the art of true, false, and multiple choice tests knew that the answer was already there on the page. We developed strategies for identifying it. But when using narration, the only question is, what can you tell me about this? When a child knows from the start that there will be only one question, her attention to the material at hand is secured. She knows that she'll be able to answer the question only if she has absorbed the material. And so skimming, a deplorable practice encouraged by fill-in-the-blank questions in many texts, will not suffice. She must comprehend the full meaning of the text. She is actively engaged in learning. Isn't that amazing? And it's so true. Like I said, remember back to, to when you were in school and you have a multiple choice or fill-in-the-blank and there's like a word bank, the answers are all right there. You don't have to think. <laughs> It's crazy that that, that that's what, how schooling is in a lot of places. Um, I love that she also says narration is infinitely flexible with scope for individual style, but it requires thinking. So the fact that it's still customizable, it's still, you know, your kids can have their individual style. Some of our kids are gonna be more flowery and some are gonna be factual or very simple or very short, you know, but it still requires them to think. And so all of these reasons are great reasons for using narration, but I want to tell you at least one more. So I've already mentioned that narration gives your kids those high-level thinking skills. It engages the whole mind, but here's another really great aspect of narration. She says on page 22 that narration develops synthetic thinking. And let me read a little bit from the book. She says, because narration strengthens memory, it allows children to gather a growing store of knowledge and understanding. As they learn, one thing reminds them of another. They form connections between old and new knowledge, and they gradually see how things are related to each other and to themselves. And so she also says, because narration stimulates the mind to work, looking for order and making connections, it develops a synthetic habit of thinking in children. A synthetic thinker is always making connections, noticing similarities between one thing and another. Synthetic thinkers are able to perceive principles from specific examples and to use material learned in one framework in a different context. Synthetic thinking is integrated, not artificial. It can be contrasted with analytic thinking in which learners are constantly asked to take apart what they're learning or break it down, thus losing connections rather than making them. She says that analysis is highly valued today, but let us not hurry our pupils to break things down before they've put them together. The usual practice of questioning in which a child is expected to produce an isolated piece of information does not encourage synthetic thinking. Narration, on the other hand, requires a child to think about all the material and produce the relevant details in relation to one another. What the narrator tells has to make sense. Can you see how putting it together, connections, all of this is actually more valuable? And did you notice that it said when you're able to think this way, you can use material you learned in one framework in a different context. This is exactly what we want to train our kids to do anyway, right? And so I think this is, I mean, boy, there are so many benefits to narration and I hope I've convinced you, if you're already not using it in your homeschool, you definitely need to try because the benefits are just too big to ignore. 
Here's one more little bonus for you. Narration, and I've already mentioned this a little bit, will lead to better writing because your kids will be thinkers. She just says on page 25, she says, too often we attempt to address the symptom of poor writing rather than the disease of weak thinking. And so the reason why a lot of kids aren't good writers is because they're not good thinkers. And so what are we doing to get their brains and their thinking, their synthesis working. Um, How are we engaging them? How are we engaging their mind? And this is what narration will do. And I think over time, you will see that your kids become better writers. Now, here's a little bit of actionable tips for you because I love to give action, you know, points. I don't want it just to be all philosophical, but definitely, like I said, grab the narration cheat sheet, learn more about it in the show notes, get Karen's book. I'll link to that as well. But here are just a few tips for you. If maybe you've even started narration before, but maybe you haven't followed through, or if this is all new for you, here are some tips and I'm gathering these from Uh, the end of chapter two in Karen's book. But here's what she says. Basically, narration is going to grow easier with time and habit. This is one of those things where the first couple times you do it, it's going to be really frustrating possibly for you and your kids, and you might want to throw in the towel. But like anything else that's worth it, you have to stick with it. She does say it requires perseverance. So if you know that going in, you can be patient with your kids and yourself as you get used to how to do narration. She says if narrating a whole chapter is too much at first, just try narrating one section at a time, right? She says narration will give children mental habits that will help in every aspect of education. We already mentioned that. Children who narrate consistently become thinkers and writers. Also, you know, she encourages everyone in this book, start when they're young. It's really good if you can start this, you know, when you're doing kindergarten. This is just a natural thing. You don't they don't have to fill in a bunch of worksheets. You do this all orally. But even if you have teens and you're like, "Boy, I missed it." you know, my kids never learned how to do this. And now they're struggling. They're in ninth grade. They don't know how to write. It's never too late to start. And she does talk about in her book, what to do if you missed, you know, the elementary years and now you're in middle, your kids are in middle school or high school. She said, you know, you still will start at the beginning, but it's not going to take them years to catch on. They're older. They'll be able to catch on really fast and they will be able to be just on the same level as kids who have even done it since they were six years old. But you do need to learn the techniques. You need to learn the purpose, kind of how to do it, but then just start doing it. And so the other thing I wanted to mention about narration is that it is one of those techniques that enables you to, number one, homeschool on one income or on a tight budget, because you can use narration in place of a fancy pack of worksheets from a publisher that are costing you money. You don't have to buy individual curriculum for everyone's history or science or whatever. You just find living books or books from the library, and you use narration to make sure they understand it, to bring everything together, to assess them, to make sure that they're getting it. Um, This is a great way to get rid of a lot of chaos in your homeschool. If everyone has individual subjects, you can do it together and use narration with multiple ages together. And so this is another wonderful reason to use narration. I know we used it for just so many years when I had four boys and they were all close in age and we did so much together. We didn't buy individual workbooks for most things. We only did that for like math and, you know, a little bit of language arts, but everything else was together with narration. We didn't try to do a 
whole lot of busy work. And so it really did make homeschooling enjoyable. It simplified things. So if you're feeling a little crazy, you have a lot of kids and you want a better way, I think narration is one of those tools that you're going to want to put in your toolbox and be able to pull it out and get really good at using it and help your kids learn the benefits of it too. And I think you're going to reap the benefits of them learning this, growing their brains, being able to be you know, thinkers that are engaged and having their whole brains engaged in the learning process. So once again, if you want to learn more, check out Karen Glass's book, Know and Tell, The Art of Narration. I'll stick links in the show notes to everything we discussed today. And I hope you are able to put some of these ideas to work in your homeschool even this week. Remember, just little baby steps. Pick one or two things and make a change this week and see how it goes and then evaluate and learn more. Go ahead and grab, you know, this this book. And also I will link, I have a, a, actually a whole list of like 60 books that I think homeschool moms should read. Of course, don't overwhelm yourself this year with 60 books, but it can become the basis for your professional development book list. And you can grab a book or two here and there as you need a new one to read. I think that's a great way to grow as a homeschool mom. Okay, you can find the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 179. Don't forget to grab that free nature collection notebook over at Gentle and Classical Press. You can find them and all their resources at 41more.com forward slash Gentle Classical. Thanks for joining us today. And in the meantime, happy homeschooling.